Well, hello again, and welcome to this episode of Pastor and People. This is your host, Isaac Adams, and I am sitting here with the BD on your buile, the usual suspect. What's up, T? Hey, what's good, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Trying to adjust to the winter still, but hey, you know, <laughs> praying for more grace. Right. <laughs> Thor to the flesh. That's man. it, man. That's it. That's it. I'm telling you. Um, it's good to be back with you, T. We've been talking about discipleship a lot. Uh, in this context of pastors and people working together for joy, right? We've talked about domineering discipleship, mm. heavy-handed authoritarian mm. stuff. And that obviously would relate to the verse we jump out of uh, from the Corinthian epistles mm. about Paul talking about working together, mm. pastors and people, for their joy, their mutual edification, mm. their mutual glorification of God, mm. and their mutual love of one another, right? Mm. So we talked... Uh, about the basics of discipleship out of the scriptures. Then we talked about how a shepherd makes disciples. Mm. Right? And then we we saw with that that a shepherd sins and the disciples sin, mm. right? and that they sin against one another and that there are guardrails we often go over. right? But then we talked about a basic plan, the positive instructions about how we go about these things, right? And mm. how do we even stop these things? <laughs> When's it time to break up here? Mm. Uh, but that also brought about, I think, a common thread through all those conversations was the pastor and his relationships and specifically his friendships in the church, mm. right? We talked about cliques. We talked about cults of personality. Mm. And today, T, what I want to talk about with you is can a pastor have friends in the local church, in his local church? So I'm not talking about necessarily associations with other pastors, but I'm talking about pastor and flock. Mm. Friendships. Yay, nay, good idea, bad idea. Yeah, this has been an interesting um, sort of discussion. We read books on pastoral ministry and things of that sort. One of my favorite um, books of all time is um, Bridges, uh, The Christian Ministry. Uh, I commend that to every pastor. Um, I commend that you read it slowly, you read it out loud, read it meditatively. Um, he, he does a little bit of what Richard Baxter does in terms of peeling the skin off the pastor a bit and, uh, and seeing what's underneath. So it's not, for the, it's not for the tender conscience. But not everything in that book do I agree with. So Charles Bridges comes down pretty strongly that a pastor um, should not or cannot have friends in the congregation. And I know that there are people uh, around today who think that way. Uh, I would take the opposite point of view. I, I would say this, that if indeed what, what's happening in pastoral ministry is that the shepherds are working together with the sheep uh, for their mutual joy and their establishment in the faith. I don't know how you can do that without it being a friendly endeavor, without it being a friend-making endeavor. Um, so in one sense, I want to say your church isn't healthy if you can't have friendships inside of it. Mm. There's something fundamentally wrong uh, about how either you're relating to the people, you're, you're too high and uh, inaccessible, or fundamentally wrong with how the people are relating to the pastor. They're too critical or um, stubborn, unwilling to lead, to follow. Uh, it, it could be any number of things, but if a pastor has no friends in the church, or if a pastor sets out to intentionally not have friends in the church, I want to argue that something unhealthy there. So you're, just to be clear, you're saying... Health in the church is an impossibility 
without friendships. I, I, yeah, I think it, it, with regard to the pastor's relationship with the people. So let me give you just a couple of uh, places in the scripture uh, on which I would base that. John 15, 15. Uh, you remember what the Lord says there to his disciples? He says, I no longer call you servants. Mm-hmm. And here's why. He says, I no longer call you servants uh, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you, here's our word, friends, for everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Now, this is interesting because it also gives us a definition of friendship, doesn't it? The friend is the one who's in your business. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Jesus said, look, y'all have gone from... The pastor just... <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Can't listen to this, man. Well, well and, and this is why this is why this topic is so delicate. Because to be friends with your people, with anybody, requires risk. Mm-hmm. Right? This is, what, this is what love looks like expressed in friendship. It, it's risking that other people would know your business on some level. Uh, and that's the business we're in as pastors is is helping our people to know the greatest business of all, which is God's mind and will and word and how it should be reflected in all of our lives. So so Jesus gives us a definition here. Um, these folks have gone from being servants outside of intimate knowledge of God's will to being friends who have that intimate knowledge. And I just want to say, if Jesus could look at us sinners and say, I call you friends. There's something really wrong <laughs> if we can't look at each other and say, I call you friends. Right. Yes, there's risk in that, but that risk is right because that's where um, we, we bloom and flower and express the love that Jesus also calls us to in John 13, 34 and 35. And T, would you say that Jesus, I think, even gives us more than an example or more than a definition, he gives us a positive example. So mm-hmm. we just read over and over of him eating with the disciples. That's exactly right. Walk, taking long walks with See. the disciples. Almost just having them, just the life looking like friendship. It smells like friendship. Mm-hmm. It's like, how are you going to take these walks if you all aren't friends? That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. Those just become business meetings, don't they? Right. And and in too many respects, I think the, the relationship between pastor and people can become business-like. Um, it can be warmer than just a contractual relationship. But it, it becomes about the things we do for the kingdom, the church work, and, and sometimes not even the work of the church. But, you know, it can become about all these committees and tasks and things of that sort. And there's a knowingness that happens in that context. But sometimes that's not the same as friendship. Uh, and I think what the scripture pushes us to uh, is something deeper than just a collegial relationship working together on spiritual things, however important that is. Uh, it actually pushes us to be human with each other, to be social with each other, to reflect the sort of Trinitarian nature of God, where the Father and the Son and the Spirit have this eternal communion, one with with each other. And and since we have that communion with the Father and the Son and the Spirit, we're also to have a similar communion with each other. So so friendship becomes an expression of our union with Christ, mm-hmm. um, not just who I choose to like right. and, and get on with. All right. yeah. So then let me pick up on that human strand for a second because I've had my skin peeled back by Charles Bridges. I've read, mm. I've read and I love that book <laughs> and endorse it. Uh, but I think what he was arguing about the pastor not having friends was for the sake of the body because it stirs envy. Because I think a part of being human would it re- require picking 
closer friends than others, right? Mm-hmm. And we even see this with Jesus, right? He has the inner three, right? Yeah. Who Not all the disciples go up and see the transfiguration, right? Yeah. Only three get to see. Yeah. So what would your wisdom then be um, for the pastor who is like, yeah, I want friends and naturally I'm going to have closer friends than not. Mm-hmm. And then how does that, how does he avoid, you know, just slipping into then the click-like comfort, the cult of personality, uh, but also having friends that where he's like, yeah, this isn't just a church work friend relationship. This dude just knows me inside and out. I frankly just like this guy. Yeah. Uh, he encourages me. Yeah. Well, has to not stir envy in the body. Yeah. Well, the, the stirring of envy is is carnality, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. So if if the congregation or, or persons in the congregation, and usually it's not all the congregation, but some persons in the congregation uh, feel jealous, feel selfish, feel protective, feel excluded. Um, illegitimately so, then then you realize you're dealing with a, a maturity issue in that person. It's not a problem with friendship. It's a problem with that person, right? Um, and so I think what you want to do in those cases is what you just said uh, in setting up the question. You want to first hide out behind Jesus. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, that's right. He had 12 <laughs> friends and he had three among them who were closer. And then he had a whole bunch of other disciples, but you know, naturally speaking, I think we have a limited capacity to be intimate friends with everybody. Now, not everybody knows that about friendship. So even the person who's jealous for a relationship with the pastor, he doesn't count everybody in his workplace as his friend. He don't tell everybody in the workplace his business, and he'll tell you real quick, hey, none of your business, right? It's an A-B conversation, see your way out, right? So we all understand that. And I think just being honest about that and saying that to your congregation, hey, if, if this becomes an issue, hey... You know, we all have limited capacity for friendship, uh, and it's it's not wise that that we put all of our business, you know, in the hands of all of our people because not everyone is mature enough to sort of deal with that. So you got to have some wisdom there. But now the second thing I want to say to that pastor is, okay, having said that, that we have a limited capacity, the next thing I think we want to commit ourselves to is a growing capacity uh, for friendship. So this is what addresses the click-ishness. Uh, about this. We we want to have a boundary crossing love in the same way that Jesus in the gospel crosses the boundaries of divinity and creature, the boundaries of uh, perfect holiness and utter sinfulness, uh, the boundaries of heaven and earth uh, to reclaim for himself a people um, from all nations we want to have a, a similar ethic where we are going to people not like us very intentionally uh, and cultivating relationships with them. Um, I once heard Mark say in a sermon, I don't remember what the sermon was on. You know, have those experiences right. where a phrase or a sentence just hits you like an arrow. He asked an application question. He says, when will you relinquish your passive approach to friendships? Mm-hmm. And I just thought something about that phraseology relinquishing. It means you got to let it go. You've been holding it. A passive approach to friendship. So there's a there's a way in which in our friendships we have an active grasp of passivity. Mm-hmm. And and we don't want that as pastors. We we want to have an active grasp of intentionality, of proactive um sort of seeking out of others. Um and again, that requires wisdom. And you got to think through your friendships, but um and the third thing I would just say that that everybody I think understands naturally, but pastors sometimes have to just say publicly as a matter of teaching, is not all friendships are the same kinds of friendships. 
right? So you can have friendships with guys where, you know, you just watch the game and you just, you let your hair down, you, you act crazy. Um, you know, it's a front porch kind of relationship, you know, it's what we know what Tony do, right? <laughs> you Sounds just, like the front porch. That's exactly right. So you, you got some front porch relationships, yeah. but man, you got some, you got some, we used to call it the den in my house. You, you got sort of the sitting parlor relationships where, you know, your fancy company come over and that's where you take them and you bring out the finer china and all that good stuff. And you got some living room relationships where people just kind of just see everything. They're just part of the family um, and so on. So uh, I think we, we need to be careful that we don't squeeze every relationship into the same friendship mold. That we, we allow ourselves to have different kinds of friendships for different kinds of purposes, and that be okay, yeah. right? And that be okay. And so we have to acknowledge our natural limits, but then we have to kind of push beyond, you know, um, just settling into our comfort and, and, and pursue some intentional diversity mm-hmm. in our relationships, age, class, you know, so on. And then we have to sort of be clear that not every friendship has the same goal or the same end. And, uh, you know, there are different ways into each other's hearts mm-hmm. with regard to friendship. Mm-hmm. Now, would you, what would you say then, T, for the pastor who is thinking about friendships in his church, and he's a, he's a man, so he's a sinner, and just talking about this concept of confessing sin, does he only do that to his friends in the church? Should he get some kind of external friendships where he confesses kind of his pastoral sins? Hmm. Just how does he think through that when, when we're thinking about different types of friendships? Yeah, you know, I, I think... One of the things that I heard a pastor say once is that, you know, we, our people should be able to go downhill into our hearts instead of having to climb a mountain to get to our hearts, right? The journey into the pastor's heart should be easy. And again, I think of Paul's example here when he writes to the Philippians. He says, open wide your heart to me. My heart is wide open to you, right? So there ought to be a, a heart wide open aspect to our relationship or the relationship between pastors and people. That's when it's going to be healthy. Now, it's risky, but that's when it's going to be healthy and real and genuine. Um, and so in, in practical terms, then, that means, I think, the pastor whose heart is wide open to his people and the people whose heart are wide open to their pastors, uh, they do things like confess their sin with each other. Now, there's some things, again, um, it re- requires wisdom. It, it really only belongs with your elders or your other leaders because it um, it would cause others to stumble or, or things of like that. So you got to have some discernment, some wisdom. Now, but there ought to be some friends there um, to whom you can confess your sin. But now there are other things, um, say, in the course of preaching that are perfectly appropriate to confess publicly and even necessary um, so that you're not the hero of all your your, your illustrations. You're, mm. you're not the you're not the guy who saves the day in, right. in all of your sermons, and you sort of slowly, maybe even unintentionally, build this superhero perspective of yourself or of the ministry. Um, man, I, I think some of the the most emotionally and spiritually and socially healthy times um, from my preaching have occurred when I've simply said, hey, here's a sin that I struggle with, or here's how I used to think about a thing and what the Lord did. When you just sort of show your your humanity in that, 
And people go, oh, that was just so encouraging. You know, and it's mm-hmm. a funny thing as a pastor. You said, man, I was talking about my sin. Why are you encouraged? <laughs> you know, you encouraged that, that yeah. I'm a sinner. And the people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah there's something, you know, <laughs> encouraging come, to come know. Down here with us. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You put your pants on one leg at a time, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that the pastor ought to look for appropriate places, multiple places and multiple relationships um, to let something like his his sin mm-hmm. be known, and guys fear that, and it's, we only fear it because um, at that, in that in that instance we're not walking by faith really as pastors, uh, and we may be guilty, even unintentionally, we may be guilty of having developed a kind of superhero complex mm-hmm. that we hold out to our people. Mm-hmm. But if we come down off those pedestals, man, and come down with the sheep and start to smell like sheep. Um, and they start to sniff us and recognize, oh, the shepherds are sheep too. Mm-hmm. That's just going to be healthy for the fold, for the whole flock. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like then this issue of friendship is directly related then to the health of the church. I think so. And and don't underestimate how doing the hard work of cultivating friendships actually improves the health of the church. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you think about a bruised and battered congregation, you know, again, a pastor friend of ours would like to use the uh, analogy of an unhealthy church uh, sometimes with a new pastor is like a battered wife. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she's, she's, the church has been abused. She doesn't know how to respond to leadership. And, you know, she's skittish at, at, at various things. Well, what's needed there? Well, not just pulpit teaching. That's necessary, but it's not sufficient. Uh, what's needed is a patient love that comes close, that's tender, that's consistent, that knows how to handle vulnerability and how to show vulnerability. Um, And so sometimes the way for that church to grow out of its past pains is to have a long ministry with a pastor um, who they can then grow to trust and feel like is a friend. Right. I was just about to ask you about time length and timelines here. It sounds like, like any friendship, this this takes years of mm-hmm. pouring in, mm-hmm. right? And that's why we don't want to just dive in as pastors and then parachute in and parachute right back that's out, right. right? That's right. Well, you know, the only place that you make friends instantly is when you're like four and you're on the playground. <laughs> you know, those, and we, those friendships end. That, that's exactly right. <laughs> so you know, so, so we, we, you know, only children have that capacity, right? Uh, grown folks are suspicious. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've had enough hurts to go, wait, let, let me think about this thing, right? So this doesn't happen overnight. This The, the cultivation of of genuine friendships. Uh, If you think back on your friendships, you realize that some of your closest friends, they feel like they kind of happened to you. Mm -hmm. They snuck up on you. Mm -hmm. You know, you started spending time with them. You didn't sort of consciously say, oh, I want this guy to be my friend. Maybe there's some way you do that, but most of them, just kind of like you sort of fell in together and clicked together and were hanging out. And the next thing you know, you guys were friends, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Now that's a little bit passive, contrary to what I was saying earlier. (laughs) But it's how most of us make our friendships. And it's an illustration that it just takes time. And in some ways, it can't be plotted or planned, right? It just it, it needs to be natural. Um, and then the other thing that we, we need to keep in mind is not only does it take time, but we do lose friendships. We, you know, everyone we start to race with, we don't finish with. And that's a, that's a painful thing, or it can be. Um, but if we want a mature understanding of friendships inside the local church between pastors and people, then pastors have to recognize that some of the people who are most dear to you are going to leave the church. And and some of the people who are most dear to you will not only leave the church and go to another church, some of them will leave, will leave the faith. 
Um, and, and, and the people have to recognize that some of the pastors that you were most close with are going to disappoint you. And not only going to disappoint you, uh, but they're going to disqualify themselves for the ministry. Um, that, that sometimes, you know, really painful things happen in the context of friendship. But this is what I want to say. The best context for painful things to happen is in the context of friendships. You know, where we have genuine friendships, we persevere with each other, we love each other, we have support through the hard times, uh, and, and we're able to survive the hard times in part because we're not, we're not Job's friends. Uh, we, we're, we're like Paul and Timothy, where Paul could say to Timothy, I have no one else like him. You know, he's seen my life. He's been everywhere with me. He's seen my troubles and my struggles. I have nobody else like him. And, and it is to a pastor's joy to be able to say that. I have nobody else like him. And it is to a congregation's joy to be able to say that about their pastor. Uh, so friendship in the context of disciple making and the local church is one of the most beautiful blessings uh, that God can give us. Amen. And T, if I can just pick up on one one last strand of that, uh, about these friendships that essentially have to stop or have to part ways. And in some senses, those really do stop in the hard ways of people leaving the faith. But sometimes I find it helpful to think of friendships not stopping but pausing mm-hmm. because momentarily the goal, and I think you would agree, the goal is not just friendship, even though a lot of guys shoot over that. But the goal is glorifying God and so that our friendships might reunite in heaven where mm-hmm. they'll never stop. Mm-hmm. Amen. We, Amen. Meet, we meet to part, but part to meet. Right? I mean, that's, the, that's the goal, I think, that you would encourage. But it does seem like a lot of dudes are like, no, I'm just here for the glory of God. Don't need any friends. <laughs> it's like, brother, brother, you don't understand the glory of God. You don't understand the glory of God. Because here, here our glorious Savior says, I call you friends. Uh, and yeah, there, there's something there's something missing in the mind and the heart of a person who says, I'm just running after God's glory. And I'm going to run over people to get there. Or I'm going to run without people to get there. He hasn't understood his humanity. He, he hadn't embraced his humanity um, deeply enough and, and recognize that God has made us social beings. And God has not only saved us individually, he saved us into a family. Um, and those relationships, those family relationships, are, are not, we're not just sort of kin by the blood of Christ, but that kinship also needs to be expressed in friendship. Um, and so we need each other. And, uh, and, and even when, as you say, for some season, maybe until the Lord calls us home, some friendship is interrupted uh, or the nature of it is changed um, or people seem now to be beyond our reach as friends for some reason or another. Uh, we, do, we do have to understand that all this is happening under the canopy of our redemption and under the, under the stars of that coming glory that we'll share in with Christ. Well, I think that's a beautiful place to round mm-hmm. out this series on discipleship. Thank you for joining us here on Pastor and People. We're going to be starting a new series. I'll be looking forward to starting with UT, but we'll cut this one here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not our friendship. Yeah. <laughs> Good to have the time, brother. All right, brother. All right.